Thanks everyone for, for joining us today. Um, I'm Mike Butler and uh, I'm joined by Richard Bell and we're going to do a bit of a playback on location independent working, remote working, working from home, whatever you want to call it. Uh, many of you will know I wrote a blog article about this back in May last year, 2020, to talk about whether I felt location independent working was here to stay, what are the pitfalls, what are the benefits, what do we need to learn from it, and felt it was a good opportunity to reflect having gone through lockdown to lots of various uh, mini lockdowns to the tiering in the UK, also now sitting in lockdown three, which is extended into, into 2021. Uh, most of us have not been into an office since probably February, March, 2020. And uh, it's just an opportunity to see, well, do I still feel the same way? And when I summarized the, the blog post before, I'm just gonna read it off my other screen. Could I work from home and never go into an office? I could probably do my job effectively, but it wouldn't do my mental health any good. And also is a new way of working. Is this new way of working the right thing for society and planet Earth? Many of you remember I went on a slight tangent talking about global warming. I think it's probably the right thing for planet Earth, uh, for society. I think we'll probably get into that a little bit around communities. And some of you that may have seen my resilience discussion, we talk about resilience and the effect of community support on personal resilience. I think we'll, we'll delve into that a bit more. So with, without any further ado, I thought I'd hand over to Richard, do a bit of an intro, and then we'll just get stuck into to the conversation. So, so Richard, welcome, and thanks for joining me. Hi, Mike. Yes, uh, thanks for inviting me along. Um, yeah, over the, as you say, last 12 months, I've not been into London either. Uh, my executive coaching business is completely online. Therefore, I've had a, um, a location-independent working uh, strategy myself, but so are all the people that I work with uh, from a coaching perspective. So I've been getting a lot of first-hand feedback uh, from people working in uh, working different models. So I, I think it's a really interesting topic. I think there are lots of dimensions to it, um, but certainly from my perspective, the key one is that personal resilience that you can. Apologies, everyone. I just paused the recording briefly because we were having some glitches affecting Richard's internet connection. Hopefully that'll be solved now. So Richard, tell us a bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, I was, um, I, I joined the world of banking, mostly banking technology uh, back in 1980 and um, retired in 2014 uh, at the tender age of 50. I lasted about eight or nine weeks before realizing uh, I still needed some uh, some purpose. Um, went on to co-found a software company called Cutover, um, and at the same time established my own executive coaching practice. Uh, something I was very passionate about, having been exposed to coaching in my my banking career, and felt it was a great way uh, to be uh, almost giving back uh, and helping others. Um, and now I've moved away from the software side. Um, and my full uh, engagement is around uh, coaching and mentoring. Yeah, and our, our paths first crossed in uh, in Barclays um, back in the day when you were still there and I was joining. And then, of course, through Cutover as well, uh, I spend a lot of time and still do now with Kai. I've been helping them out with some of their strategic objectives with Kai and the rest of the team for 2021 and beyond. So we've, we, we've weaved... Uh, closely quite a bit over the last uh, over the last few years very close as well so one of the things that uh, you were you were mentioning is that 
through your executive coaching, you've got lots of clients that are that are out there in in various different uh, sectors, industries, at different levels of seniority, etc. And, um, and and you started to sort of hint at what they're telling you with their experiences as well. I mean, what what do you what do you think? Do you think that location independent working is here to stay now, or do you think we're going to see a mass return to commuting into central offices? Um, I think it's definitely going to be about blend and balance. Um, and I think everybody's situations are so unique um, that I don't think there's a one size fits all um, model. And uh, I think one person's remote working is another person's workplace isolation. Um, and depending on where you are uh, on, on that spectrum around your own well-being mm. and emotional resilience and whatever else might be going on in your life, I think uh, um, that, that balance, getting that balance right is, is going to be um, something that's going to need a lot of thought about how you can test someone's um, resilience, their emotional resilience. In that, in that flexible model. I don't think for one moment it will go back, uh, but like you and as per your original uh, blog, um, I, I think that sense that human beings need human beings, um, and, and I'm sure we'll touch on this uh, as we're discussing today, but as much of that um, engagement with human beings is serendipitous, it's not planned, um, but it's also a way when we are dealing with stresses um, interacting with human beings to kind of syndicate how you're feeling in a slightly codified uh, way enables us to make sense of our feelings sometimes just by externalizing them uh, mm. and and that's one of I think one of the big missing pieces of the jigsaw puzzle uh, at the moment is that that loss of that serendipity yeah and I obviously you and I've spoken about that. I do want to explore that in more detail because I think that's fascinating sort of the serendipity of connections and 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 um and what you can learn from that that we're just missing at the moment because we are so focused on formal lines of communication, whether it's through a Skype message or WhatsApp or Teams or whatever it may be that walking past someone in the hallway, you, you miss out on that. I do think that, you know, when in the previous uh, previous session, sorry, the previous blog, I talked about smelling other humans, you know, trying to bring it back into a much more uh, sort of base instincts view of the world because like most species most mammals we we do have a lot of scent uh reliance on scent and pheromones etc and so i do think there probably is something in there uh, i'm completely unqualified to be able to uh, go into any more detail on that but we know that when we're in social groups we're a social species we need to be in social groups and when i was talking to toby and and ben about resilience ecosystem it became very clear that whatever you do for an individual to help them with their personal resilience, unless there's a community wrapped around that individual, it doesn't matter. Uh, and that was a big takeaway that, that I took from that, that session, which was, you know, we talk about arming people with tools and, and techniques to help them be happier in the workplace to deal with their, their isolation that they may have been feeling. But if this goes on forever and they never get an opportunity to see another human being, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. I think the community can be at work, can be in a hobby, can be at home, can be family, can be friends. In lockdown, it's very difficult to, to achieve any sort of real connection because we're not allowed within two meters of each other and not allowed in each other's houses, on each other's property at the moment, et cetera, for, for yeah. various reasons. 
once this is over and we get into a a, a steady state or a new normal or a BAU of, of how we're going to return to work, that's where we have to make sure we really, really keep people connected. And, and in some cases, we might have to force people to be connected because they may not necessarily uh, naturally want to come into an office or come into a group or come into that community. But it, but at the same time, it, it actually could be very good for their own well-being and motivation and connection into the organization to do it. And I think we have to remember um, this isn't uh, an, exper an experiment, a test or a validation uh, that people can physically work at home or work remotely in some kind of independent model. The situation we find ourselves in now goes way beyond simply that being a, is this a, a, an alternate flexible working model? The, the, the challenge we have at the moment is that there are two major problems affecting people. One is uh, perceived lack of control of all that's going on around them. And secondly, the inability to plan or project forward pos positively uh, from where, from, because they don't know where, necessarily where they actually are at the moment. And therefore you've got two really significant things that contribute to stress. And that stress situation coupled with this, um, this independent working, this location independent working, it makes for a very toxic combination. Uh, if you are feeling that stress, or if your partner has lost their job and you've suddenly now remotely become the, the breadwinner, the challenges that person's experiencing and their experience of isolation will be very different from somebody else two doors up the road. Yeah. So this whole thing about does does location independent working work and this has been a great experiment experiment and validation of the opportunity for doing that i think we've got to be really careful uh, that we forget that it's completely cloaked in something hugely stressful yeah yeah that's a very good point and i suppose you know we can say things like technology works yeah stood up but ultimately everyone's situation and scenario will, will be different and um and that's why I think yeah, we have to treat working in lockdown in response to COVID and then there'll be uh, the inevitable, well, we've, we're already feeling the economic impact of, of that and um, others are feeling it much more than others. And uh, that, that, will, that will have everyone's experience, mean everyone's experience will be very different. And inevitably there are some roles that can't be done remotely. You can't uh, cook someone their dinner from home. Uh, you can cook yourself dinner while everyone else watches. But it's yes. not the same experience. And I think that, uh, in my view, we, we sort of focus what, what we're most familiar with. I'm most familiar with working in a banking environment and having big headquarters in Canary Wharf that we used to slog, slog into every day on the, on the train and the tube. And that's where I'm sort of focusing my attention on is in those sort of situations are going to move. There are other roles that probably can as well. I, my my nine-year-old uh, back to school, well, both back to school this week remotely and the the school that my my youngest is at has done a really good job and you can see the transformation from last time this happened that almost every single lesson now is is online on a zoom and that's different teachers doing different activities so PE was hilarious yesterday as um I had to clear a big space in the lounge so he could on on zoom jump up and down and run on the spot and do push-ups push and planks and things like that. and that and that's great that that we have the ability to do that now and 
people are adjusting and almost in real time to to the ability to to do education remotely and, and run PE classes remotely and and uh, Joe Wicks is restarting his next week as well so there's a lot going on but it is situationally quite different do what, what do you think is going to happen to so so if we assume in the big corporate world right so in the in Canary Wharf all these big banks headquartered there you got HSBC you got Barclays City um, JP Morgan Stanley big law firms like Clifford Chance and uh, even the uh, some of the government agencies are now sitting out there as well if we go and embrace this location independent working for a proportion of the workforce what's going to happen to corporate real estate what's happening to london what happens to these big hubs do they become ghost towns and if so what happens to all the businesses that that exist to service them no i think i think it is a, a major consideration and i can't see us simply moving back to a model uh, where people travel, you know, 30, 40 miles on a train simply to sit at a desk in a large building uh, with similar oh, other, other people to do a job. Yeah. Uh, and I think the, the, the need to get together with people will become, will become better defined in terms of what kinds of events and activities um, you know, bring about the need for people to come together and for what purpose. Is it about strategy and planning? Or is it simply about um, employee engagement, interacting, uh, deepening relationships uh, with the people that you work with uh, in a team? And probably a combination of all of those things. But I think the days of simply coming in to sit at a battery hem position to do a job that can be done remotely uh, or in location independently, um, then I think that we will see uh, I think we'll see changes there, and I don't see us moving back um, into into that kind of battery hen uh, type model. What well, I was I was quite shocked in the first three months of the uh, initial lockdown to be hearing from people uh, that their organisations had already started making big decisions on real estate, on building contracts that weren't going to be renewed based on the success of the technical experiment of remote working. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, wow, this is really premature uh, in terms of the, the wider findings uh, of, of what success might look like in, in a broader strategy around that. And not least um, that growing sense of stress that I talked about earlier. Uh, people, um, there's a been, I found quite a dip in morale as we've moved into this second slash third spike, this sense that actually this thing doesn't feel like it's getting better anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, and although there's a vaccine coming over the hill, there's still a lot of complexity, complexity to be navigated. And therefore that sense on that being able to positively forward plan uh, has taken a bit of a knock. Um, people perhaps are getting a little bit more familiar with the things that they can control, taking control of the controllable that they have, albeit quite diminished, uh, but there's still this sense at the moment um, that perhaps there's, there's less clarity as to how the roadmap plays out in 2021 um, and into 22. So I absolutely don't think it will go back. I think there will definitely be a re-baselining of the real estate uh, requirement but what I would hope is there'll be an enormous amount of creativity about the reasons and the events and the activities that would bring people together. And I'm hoping that certainly you know, at least 50% of that 
won't be based around the gender and the strategy, but will be a bit more based around that need for human beings to smell human beings. Yeah, and I, and I, I um, because because look, I think my, neither of us, both of us have been involved in this industry for long enough that we know that conversations around uh, dynamic working have been going on for years and flexible working and leveraging hot desking in our work environment. So we, you know, the, the reality is if everyone in my team turned up to work, they wouldn't have a desk. Yeah. So we, we run the contention ratios that used to be, well, we'll probably have X percent sick, X percent on holiday. So therefore we've got enough desks for everyone. But now we're saying actually we'll have X percent sick, X percent on holiday and X percent that will be working remotely. Uh, and so we've we've stacked the desks in a, at a maybe a two to one instead of what we might have been a, a one point two to one contention ratio previously. So the natural extension of that was to look for a three to one or a four to one or a five to one or a ten to one or whatever it may have been. So these conversations have been going on for quite some time. the The timing, therefore, of what we've been going through is good and bad. To your point, it's it's coming at a time when people are feeling anxious, uncertain about their futures, worried about their health and their loved ones. And then their employer may at the same time be saying, and by the way, um, you may never go back to work to, to an office again. Uh, or, and they might be having, waiting for the conversation that is that, or you, you no longer have a, a role here, or we're making redundant, or whatever it may be, yeah. or where we don't exist anymore as a company. On the on the plus side, for companies that wanted, you know, economically wanted to actually drive some value out of that transition, they're looking at it as an opportunity to uh, to accelerate some of the inevitable planning. And I suppose it's that balance between be a good human and be a good company for your shareholders. And be a good company, be a good human should be the same thing. But ultimately, you know, revenue, profit etc is something which is perhaps looked at in a slightly different lens for too many companies mm. um i i think um i do agree with you though it, it is here to stay and the pros and cons of that which we've, we've gone through already the interesting thing is in my mind is that you can't take away an office space completely right so you need to make sure that your your staff your teams have the ability to get together uh, and it could be on a, a one-off basis. It could be, you know, just when they need to um, run a bit of strategy discussions, whatever it may be. But they will need that that opportunity to get together, and that's something which we we need to we need to cater for. I'm going to pause because my, my I've got a delivery driver. Who... Okay, apologies for pausing again, but uh, this time I had a delivery driver who wouldn't go away. And um, he was waving at me through the window to pick up a box. So uh, a good example of a profession that wouldn't be able to work from home or, or, or uh, location independent. But uh, we're back again and, uh, and carrying on the conversation. So, um, so Richard, you know, thoughts of where we've got to so far in the conversation? Yeah, I think uh, I've yet to see um, a, a, a blueprint of, of, from anyone that says this is what we believe the future looks like. Um, I think there's lots of experiments going on with all sorts of apps and tools, coffee breaks, Zoom lunches, and all, all these walkie-talkies and all, all great things that, that have come along. But I do feel 
Uh, there's a lot of experimentation, a lot of agile experimentation going on around that. But the bits that I'm really keen to hear in those blueprints is how we identify in that in that new operating model. How do we identify the people that might be struggling? Yeah. Um, I was reading an article, I think it was over the weekend, um, about uh, some firms now reading, getting the signals of someone saying, oh, is it okay from now on if I don't turn my camera on? Yeah. Um, you know, because my, my signal's not great, uh, and therefore, I, you know, it would suit me a lot better. And all of a sudden, you've lost the, the visual. Yeah. Um, but that connection's gone. Um, some people... Um, starting you know, not to turn up to the less formal sessions mm. they just don't see the the value in it and i think we've got to get quite sophisticated in being able to make sure that um, that well-being um, is part of that agenda rather than just the simple provision of a bunch of tools and techniques yeah and that that really starts to play into the leadership qualities that are required in, in a new working environment yeah. i'm sure you're starting to explore this yourself in your in your coaching practice right they the all of a sudden people who are, are used to maybe just being very delivery focused and perhaps less sensitive to some of the other emotional needs of their of their teams uh, haven't got the benefit of other members of that team to sort of bail them out because of yes their to those team members now it's really on them to start to care about all the people that work for them more than perhaps they may have done before. That sounds terrible the way I've just said it. I played that back in my head. I didn't mean no, it, I, but do you know what I mean? It's, 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 it may not be natural to everyone yes. to have the same level of, 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 of care and attention to an individual's emotional yeah. needs. And that might not be because you're an ass, you know, that might just be because, um, you know, you and I could have been um, in a workshop setting, uh, mm -hmm. me facilitating, you know, you, you leading, um, I see a certain behavior coming from you that looks more focused on what rather than who. Yeah. We go coffee break and I might just say to you, Mike, just to let you know, you're coming across a little bit what focused, right? And you go, oh, I hadn't really, I hadn't even really considered it. Yeah. Um, that kind of interaction uh, is what's being lost, I think, through uh, this remote uh, model. Those little informal uh, coaching tips and hints that we can take from anyone upwards downwards or sideways um I, I think there's a danger that we don't pick up on some of those signals and is that the serendipity that you were talking about i think there is a serendipity to that uh, although i think serendipity is e even more random because that wouldn't be random that mm. would be so i think i've said to you before to me serendipity and the informality of communication i view i view as being the more the mortar between the bricks of operating model uh, interaction. Uh, it's the bit that's not defined at all. And it can't be defined because if I give you an example, if we'd never met before, but today I've met you in the little kitchen on the floor by the coffee machine, um, we had an awkward silence for about 20 seconds, but then we dropped a coffee cup or something and then we'd have a bit of a chat and I'd say, oh, I don't think I've seen you before. And you're, oh, hi, Mike, and the rest of it. And that might be it. But next week when I meet you, we'll pick up from where we left off. And I'll say, oh, hi, Mike, how are you settling in? Or uh, how's it going? That's not codified, yeah. okay? That, that's evolving. 
And through that, a relationship will come about. In two months' time, I'll bump into you in the kitchen and you'll say, what is it you're actually working? And I'll say this, and you'll actually, I'm doing something really similar over here. Maybe it's worth, rather than just bumping into each other in the kitchen, why don't we just take a coffee over to the breakout area and talk about it for 30 minutes? Yeah. There is no app uh, that is going to replace uh, that serendipitous evolving relationship in my mind yeah and i think the the water cooler the chats by the water cooler right you know we we um or you know in the coffee in the kitchens in the in the coffee shops wherever it may be we have lost and i um again just to kind of draw on an analogy of my youngest son at the moment they've got a a new pupil who's joined their class this week and i must it must be very difficult for her because she hasn't got that she's these are all her new classmates and she's never met them and she's don't know when she's going to meet them right it's going to be months before she's really going to see them in person and she's thrown into this virtual world and understandably she's she's quite quiet and the teacher's doing a fabulous job of keeping her engaged and and um and actually it's quite cute i'm seeing the teams chats of them all going we must include so and so in conversations and and it's really sweet but codifying that how to replace the natural the natural curiosity and interaction of humans when they bump into each other with an app is is or a, a technique it's it's almost impossible to do you, yeah. you thought, I mean, i'm sure uh, there'll be some there'll be some psychologists that uh, that that suggest they could do a good job of replicating it with uh, certain questions and things like that but i i don't think you can I, I i don't think so and that doesn't mean to say as we've said location independent working is definitely going to change and therefore those situations where we do bring people together is about i think a lot of that for me is about that serendipity yeah clearly not serendipitous that the people have come in because it's been planned yeah but if the, the less we plan when they come in the more serendipitous it will be yeah. in the relationships and conversations that take place um i have to give room for that yeah i um i was just having a chat with another friend of mine mike o'brien i was doing a video those people that uh, have watched his video will, will realize i'm wearing exactly the same clothes it's not because this is my costume for video conferencing it's just that i did it an hour ago um but uh he he was telling me two things which i think are relevant to this conversation one was that when he was setting up his his business opencast he he him and his uh, business partner and a couple of other folks who were sort of employees number one, two, and three went for a walk around a lake to talk about what they should do. You know, th that's how they defined the strategy for the company and, and how to launch it, et cetera, and the target. So it was all about being in close proximity and getting to know each other a bit better and actually bouncing ideas off each other. So that's, a, that's an example of something which is very difficult to replicate in a in a geographically um, uh, distant company, especially you know in London. We all came in, you know. I come in from the southeast, from from Kent. You came in from Essex. Uh, you've got people coming in from St Albans Way and coming down from Hertfordshire, etc. So in reality, to get to your house, it probably take me about three hours, but we could meet in London in an hour and a half, and and so we wouldn't necessarily have those excuses. So that was one thing that that we. That we talked about and the other thing was was all of those just meeting people just tripping over people in the street and then creating a relationship and uh you know in one example he he helped someone who'd broken down on the side of the motorway it turned out to be 
someone who worked in a bank and they got chatting about an opportunity for uh, collaborating on something. And it's just those moments that, that we lose. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how we, how we replicate that. But it, it yeah. like what, we're, what we're saying so far is that working practices are likely to change. Going back to big HQs for six days a week or whatever it is, you may be unfortunate enough to work is, is probably a thing of the past um, for most roles. But we have to find a way to keep those communities going, keep that care and attention in place yeah. that you would have got by just seeing someone, feeling someone. Because you can feel when you can feel when someone's upset. Yeah. You can feel yes. someone's tense. They might not look it, but you can feel it. There's a vibe, yeah. there's something that's given off. And that's that, that smelling thing I talk about. Um, and, I, and I think that's the thing we've got to work out how we can replicate in phys physically replicate. We can't, you know, we, we, we can't replicate that digitally. And when I think about WeWork, so WeWork is going to be an interesting company. I mean, it's been a fascinating company to watch anyway, because of um, it's just a roller coaster of, of terrifying uh, financial uh, crises for them being bailed out and carrying on with their, the way that they do things. But it's a fascinating company. But they've invested hundreds of millions of pounds, dollars, euros, yen, whatever, in central business district real estate to create these co-working spaces. Now, I think co-working spaces is going to become much more important part of our future, touchdown offices, et cetera, but probably not where they are in the WeWork model, but actually having regional co-working mm -hmm. be interesting because you can do it in one of two ways. So if I look down the high streets in Tunbridge, where I live, I've got a Barclays Bank, I've got a Santander, I've got a NatWest, I've got a HSBC, I've got law, they're all there and uh, mm -hmm. a nationwide and, and, and I know the Barclays one has got a big floor above it where you could go and touch down and work there. And it feels yeah. like an opportunity as a company, as an employer to say, we'll come and work in the branch, book out space on this, you know, fast, fantastic website we've set up, or um, here's, here's membership to a co-working club as part of your benefits, go and touch yeah. down one of those areas. And then you're, you've got a community around you. It may not be your team. It may not even become people that you work with in, in a different, they may be in a different company, but they're actually just humans that you can actually start to chat to and throw yeah. ideas off. No, I, I, I totally agree. Um, and I think with home working, um, there is a very important boundary that's been tested uh, for most of us, particularly if you were a, a London commuter. Um, step one of unwinding is walking out the office door. Step two is making yourself comfortable on the train to do whatever it is you're going to do for 45 minutes. Yeah. Three is the walk from the station or the drive to home and then lastly there's the key in the lock and walking in the door and going sanctuary and yeah. I'm, I'm in my safe place um people have lost their safe place in a standard model of the future of flexible working i think that will be significantly different to the, the world we find ourselves in at the moment which is almost this enforced remote working with a lot of stress yeah when that stress taken out of that i think the problem will be massively some of the challenges will be massively reduced mm. but just remember um, some people uh, at the moment are working incredibly hard and actually um i coach young people as well as older people 
and um, the younger people are feeling a lot of stress. There's this other thing as well, which um, for people who are really busting the boiler, because obviously they've also got half an eye looking at the fact of how long can my job be sustained in this uncertainty? Mm. There's that pressure every day. I've got to be seen to be putting in a good shift. Mm. The boundaries at the start and the end of the day are getting vague. Um, employers are starting to look on at log on times and log off times and just say, hey, you know, I've seen it's been 20 past eight in the evening for the last 14 nights. I think you need to dial that back in a bit. I don't want to see you starting before 10. I want you to go for a walk when the light's best in the winter uh, before 10 o'clock. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is to have a room in your house that becomes demonized. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? You'd be walking past the closed door on a Saturday going, oh, on Monday, I'll be back in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, and, and actually, again, I'm going to draw the analogy with my kids. One of the things I, I was trying not to do was to set up a, uh, essentially a, an office or a desk in their room where they would work from. But practicalities have meant that I have to. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't have them both sat at the kitchen table because they have different schedules obviously very different levels of education um and i need to be in here so it's easier to, to stick them up there and and i don't but I, and, and that worries me that they're going to see their room as being school and play yes it has to be at the moment but maybe to your point when things i mean schools will be different i think they will we will see them go back to school so this is a very temporary thing but um People are working extraordinarily long hours at the moment, and because they don't they don't log off, and most people are still getting up at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. Most commuters still getting up at the same time. I've I haven't you know it's like you haven't been up to London for nearly a year, and I'm still getting up every day at six o'clock. <laughs> just kind of ding. Oh no, I don't need to get up yet. And uh, and and it's it takes a long time to retrain yourself into a different pattern. Yes, going off at the end of the day. I. I totally agree. And so back to your point on the, um, you know, co collaboration areas for working. Um, I can see more localized places that simply allow people to maintain the sanctuary of their home. Yeah. Uh, being a place that's about family, children, um, you know, whatever that is. Uh, but even if this thing is three miles down the road in the local town, yeah. that used to be a civic building that's now, uh, empty. I would rather go down there for six hours, yeah, uh, and then and then you know come back. So I, I think that would be a very. I think that would could be a healthy, um, a healthy thing. But definitely with our younger uh, employees, I think they're the ones at the moment we need to be placing the most care around, making sure that they are heard, yeah. they are, um, and at that that earliest stage of their ambition. Uh, around wanting to be successful yeah yeah and i think one of the in the early days of lockdown one we we found that as a more seasoned at a more seasoned age that we had the ability to set up an office if we didn't already have one in a room that was a door away from everyone else so we could shut ourselves away without it being sat on the edge of the bed and then when we tried to say to everyone in the teams, everyone's going to work from home, here's a laptop with our younger members of staff there, particularly in London, you know, they, they live in London because they enjoy or enjoyed 
the uh, nightlife and the social elements of being yeah. in, in London. Now, of course, they can't do that and they're all house sharing. There is no, the, the only room they have is their bedroom. And so when you say, I'll, I'll send you a PC and two screens and a chair and and all the other governance that goes with it, they think, well, I haven't got anywhere to put that. You know, there's no point in sending that to me. I can't do anything. And it's, yeah. it becomes, and then a lot of them now move back to be with maybe parents or, or friends or family that don't live in London because they realize that the four or five housemates that they get on with when they go out drinking with them really only ever saw in that scenario because they're all busy at work every day. Uh, aren't that pleasant to be with and stuck in a house with for for nine months, twenty four seven as well. So yeah. um, there's a, there there is a lot of a lot of work that still needs to happen to readjust um, people's expectations, the way that we care for people, um, yeah. and as you say, some of the working environment that we have as well. And I think there's going to be an interesting some interesting opportunities in in local towns to regenerate the high streets off the back of yeah. more footfall because there's more people working from home or working in um touchdown areas or co-working places in those towns as well which would be quite an interesting thing unfortunately that will be to the detriment of businesses and uh, in in big town in big cities like london but it, it's a sort of a rebalance i think that we're going to see over yeah. the coming years uh, in my view but you know we, we don't know right we're not yeah. we could be futurologists and and come up with some yeah. crazy thing i mean the whole flying vehicles etc but it's um it time will tell just how well we do as a, as a species to adjust to to that change in a relatively short period of time yeah yeah no totally agree and I, I think um we haven't spoken about it thus far but that the whole physical um workplace assessment occupational um therapy you know type situation where um we all had this um you know that great uh, determination and spirit to make this thing work when it all kicked off um but i think there's a little bit of fatigue around that now i know one of my daughter's friends house shares uh, with another lady who works in banking i saw a photograph of their kitchen table um <laughs> and on the kitchen wall six uh LCD panels now fixed to the kitchen wall, two two kitchen chairs and a table, and their laptops and machinery, um, and that's how they're working now. In 2012, I was a bit of a rare a rare part of the species. When London 2012 came on, I ran to Cornwall and thought, I, you know, I just don't want to be in London, um, and so we we were lucky to have a, a cottage in uh, Cornwall so I sat at the kitchen table uh, on a kitchen chair for two weeks uh, working remotely and uh, my lasting memory was a terrible backache and an elbow pain yeah. uh, for not sitting comfortably with a with the laptop at the right height etc yeah. uh, etc et I still don't think we've quite got to the bottom of um, employer liability around workplace assessment uh, when it comes to 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 the remote, I know a lot's been done and great equipment's gone out, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, is somebody sitting on the right chair? I'm sitting here with my Herman Miller, which I purchased early on in this because I found my my macro office chair just wasn't uh, good enough uh, for long periods of uh, sitting in the same space. So, um, 
you know, making sure your soles of your feet are flat on the floor, uh, the, you know, the eye level and all that good stuff. So I think we've got some finessing to do around that um, and, and how we do that safely uh, for people. But just to reiterate, I think the, a lot of the well-being challenges that we're seeing at the moment are not directly related to the fact of simply independent workplace. Yeah. Uh, you know, they are a combination of that situation, but coupled with a situation of significant stress. And our focus at the moment is how do we avoid burnout in people um, who, who are experiencing that stress for which uh, working remotely is an additive uh, to perhaps some of that, not being able to relieve some of that stress through interaction with other people in the informal ways that they may have done that in those serendipitous ways. I think that sounds like a perfect place to, to stop because, you know, it, it feels like we're saying yes, but, and until we reach some, until we remove some of those stresses through the vaccinations that are going on and we start to see these spikes reducing significantly and everything calming down outside of the workplace and the economy res responding uh, more positively than it, than it is at the moment it's going to be difficult to tell how sustainable this would be and um yeah but that, yeah. that you know i think we're both agreed that feels like it will work feels like it can work feels like it will change but we just need to keep yeah working. i think one last thing would be we have a great opportunity to be learning from this experience not just around how technically that could work, but also uh, in this highly stressful situation, what are some of those indicators of stress? Yeah. And if we could learn that now and roll that into the blueprint of the, the future, uh, that would put us into a fantastic place. Behavioral indicators that people are stressed and you yeah. can codify some of that through the way they interact with the technologies. It's, it's a game exactly. changer, not just for exactly. now, but for, for everyone who's trying to um, ensure that their that their friends family colleagues employees etc are uh, are well yeah. yeah fantastic richard thank you very much for the time today i've enjoyed the conversation and uh, i think me and you will just we'll have to have another one of these in in whenever month's time uh things start to settle down and we can uh, we can hopefully we'll we'll uh, we'll be able to provide a kind of a view on with a bit more certainty on what the future holds in this area Indeed. Thanks very much. Thanks for uh, inviting me. It's been great uh, talking about it. No problem. Thank you. Thanks, Mike.